Oh. So what are we going to do on this one? What do you want to do? I can't do shit, man. All I can think about is how my back is fucking killing me. <laughs> I don't like, what do you mean? This is, this is the show. This is going to be what the medical episode. Yeah. Fuck them, man. Yeah. yeah. The global listenership probably needs help in the medical department. I mean, I think millennials, maybe they do need to know that here's what's coming, man. Actually. Yeah, that's true. I think they need to prepare for the future of what it's like to have a bad back and maybe kidney stones. You're listening to Public Announcement. I'm James Ellis. I'm Chris Black. Everybody's got something wrong with them. It's just a matter of time before you find out what it is. I'm an Adonis, and I just discovered this problem. So it's I've had a pretty good run. I've probably had 31 years of fucking savagery, and now I'm finally paying for it. <laughs> How you feeling, man? It's rough. It's rough, man. What's going on with you, fam? About the same as you. I think I'm just managing a little more. Damn it, fuck you. I'm managing, okay? I, I mean, I have to be vertical all the time, but that doesn't mean I'm out of commission. You can't be standing and me sitting. I'm going I'm going horizontal, dude. Please. That's where I'm most comfortable. That's fine with me. I want you to be comfortable. I think that will uh, give us both a better performance. Did you go to the doc? Have you figured it out? I mean, some people would consider a chiropractor to be more of like a dentist level doctor, um, but I... No, that shit's real. Never trust a man who put his hand in your mouth. I agree. It's very real. So I've been to the chiropractor three times in the last, you know, six days trying to get my shit in line. You on some new shit? You on some like magic medicine? Anything cool? I wish. No, I'm on like guy puts hands on body, makes things pop. I don't even want the hands on the body. I just oh, want you them want hover. Like Reiki where they just hover? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't know if that works. I mean, I, I think it's cool. It's just that energy, man. It is. I need more crystals, more energy. That's probably what my problem is. Light a candle, draw a bath, whatever you gotta do. Draw a bath. Yeah, I'm limping around though. Dr. Dr. Chin on Bowery, right down the street. So it's nice. It's local. <sighs> yeah, man, he's fucking me up though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it hurts. Well, before, like, they would do a little, little nick nick a do, and then it's what you were able to walk around for a week. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So the timeline's getting compressed here. It's like, you yes. Just like my vertebrae. Whoa, look out. I can't. <laughs> Five and six are just sitting on top of each other with no cushion. Wait, besides smoking weed, like, what helps? Standing up straight. Yeah. I have. I, I will say, since my the onset of this most recent back issue, my posture is incredible. I, in fact, I met a friend, Eric Chakin, today at a restaurant, and he said from the street he noticed how wonderful my posture was. Walking tall. Yeah. Which makes me feel good because Haley, my my beautiful wife, used to always tell me about my posture. Even though I'm in pain so bad I can barely walk in the morning, my posture's good. So, I mean, you know, man, <laughs> there's two sides to every coin. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, exactly. That's important. That's a, you know, I'm a, I'm a visual guy. Damn, I mean, my shit, though, is just, I mean, I passed the other big stone recently, but the, you know, the CAT scan, there was like, there's a few buddies floating around, as per usual. How many CAT scans have you had? Countless, man. I've had so many CAT scans that I think it was like last year or the year before, you know, they scheduled me for another one. And then the insurance company called and said, <laughs> we're cutting you off. <laughs> You've been in the box too many times, bud. Like you can't get in there again. You're you getting too much heat. That explains a lot about you, yeah. I think. I think you've been a little fried from the fucking machine, man. That's where I get all my ideas. Is that possible? Yeah. When I, you know, some people think in the shower, some people think on a walk. I think when I'm getting a CAT scan, <laughs> that's where I come up with my greatest material. Nah, like what it is, is that the CAT scan, they can, they can see with a little higher def what's going on in the kidney whereas when you do the sonograms they can see the giant stones giant kidney stones but they can't see the the little buds the family yeah you know my doc dr shaw is that him that's him he's young huh the most beautiful urologist in the world mm, i only want beautiful men handling my dick if you're a doctor i don't have anything you haven't seen before he was like oh no just get back in the cat scan we need to see exactly what's going on in there he overrode the insurance company and said we don't care about your well-being it was unclear this time whether i'd passed it already or not I so see. there's only one way to find out right and then you don't want the surgery if you could choose you'd rather have the surgery knowing what's in there and go fetch it early before it tries to pass makes so, sense makes sense yeah 
I've been hearing about this shit for how long now? How many years have you been having these problems? Well, I mean, you've known me through the whole thing. So what was the first one when I was 14? Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's almost 20 years. (laughs) You remember that phase of my life when I was a teenager, it just went wild for a while there. Yeah, it's dark also because I, from my limited understanding, it's uncommon for teens to be dealing with that uh, sort of problem. I mean, when it first happened to me, I just woke up one morning and Nick Ellis is hollering, you know, let's go, bud. We got a bunch of work to do. Get your ass up. I woke up and I remember thinking, like, God, my back is killing me. I can't even figure out what's going on. It just starts progressively getting worse and worse from the moment that I woke up. Uh, he thought you were bluffing, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get the wheelbarrow. Get your ass out yeah. here. Okay. I don't care what your back feels like. <laughs> That's a little more uh, Linda Black. Than, I know I can't. Nick, I can't do him. But I just I want people to be in like that southern mind frame of like yard work happening. You know? Yeah, it's it's probably a little more. Uh, come on, man. <laughs> You're right. What is. are you doing? Cause Cause let's go, right. bud. I don't want to hear it. Let's go. I don't want to hear it. A classic Nickellicism would be um, burning daylight out there, pal. Mm, every every parent has their go to. Like, man, it's eight a.m. We hadn't burned that much. (laughs) It's fucking summer, fam. We got plenty of daylight out here. (laughs) And by the time I'm trying to like eat breakfast, I'm just, it's sinking in. Like something is wrong. Like I do not understand what's going on with me. I might be dying. Could you like sit up straight or were you like. I couldn't stop moving after a while. Oh, just to to keep, distract yourself from the pain kind of situation. You're like rubbing your back and you're getting antsy and the pain is just ramping up and you've got tattoos. I've got some tattoos. I think the best description I have for it is the sensation of getting a tattoo. Okay, stop. Except it's on the inside. Mm. And you didn't choose to do it and it will not stop. Kind of like that. That's a great. It's it's an unsettling thought. That's a great comparison. It's like a tattoo, except for these very major ways. It's not like a tattoo. (laughs) You know, when you're getting a tattoo, you're sitting there going like, all right, this hurts. It's really bad. You know, now I'm sweating. And you're just trying to explain to your own brain that, like, no, nah, man, we, we chose this. This is going to be cool. Don't yeah. worry. Don't uh, worry about I it. Actually, I've, I've never felt that much of extreme pain getting a tattoo, to be honest with you. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not unbearable. If it just started happening to you, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If I woke up and that was happening to me, I would end on my, the inside of my lower back. How did you tackle it the first time? <laughs> I remember dad is just like, come on, let's just work it out. Let me give you a back rub. Let me give you a back rub. He, I remember he went on out to the yard. He's like, all right, when I come back, you better be ready to go. By the time he came back, you know, Cher was saying like, dude, something's, something's <laughs> getting, it's getting weird in here. I don't think he's faking it. And then you're just like in a sweat rolling around on the floor crying and you can't, oh, you can't shake it. And they thought, oh, he's having appendicitis maybe. Yeah. That would be a good explanation. More common, too, for that age group. And so we went to the hospital, and they thought, again, that it was appendicitis. And then they do a couple checks. They poke you, and they're like, does that hurt? And you're like, no. You sure this doesn't hurt when I poke right here on your stomach? They did a couple more tests, and they're like, oh, it it looks like he is having a kidney stone. And then you just held up your middle fingers. <laughs> Let him know who was boss. Well, the crazy thing with that one was that I remember being in the hospital and just freaking out. And then suddenly... You feel okay. Because you passed it or because they gave you something? Yeah, you passed it. That must feel fucking amazing. Yes. I mean, everyone's always concerned, like, oh, it must be horrible pissing that thing out. That's not bad. It's not cool. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But the pain in the back when it's rumbling around is what's oh, killing brutalizer. You. From that point on, I had a little run there where I had, what, like a dozen or something? You were killing them, bro. You were number one with a bullet. Yeah. Ten weeks at number one. Yeah. Sometimes they would get stuck. Sometimes you'd have to have surgery. Call Lou. Tell her to fire up the ambulance. No, forget it. They have a helicopter, right? Tell them to send the helicopter. I think that's one of the worst parts to me is that it's not the same every time. Like, if you could at least know exactly, all right, so it's going to feel like shit, then I'm going to pass it, and it's going to be over in a couple days. But the possibility of surgery looming. I think part of the problem is that most people only have a kidney stone once or twice in their life. My dad's had a couple in his time, but it's like a one, yeah, it was an isolated incident. Yeah, in your 40s or 50s or something, and you 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 suddenly have one that's been building up over a decade or something. It was strange. Puberty just had them uh, cranking them out. It's an overactive kidney. You're just an overachiever, man. That's right. I think you should look at it in a more positive light. Yeah. Over excellent kidney. Uh, yeah. Oh, do you want my kidney? It's very strong. Yeah, I will trade you, man. No worries. No worries. They're willing to donate A plus kidney. Yeah, nobody would want this thing. 
<laughs> Once you start having surgeries like that, though, you start to realize doctors are like everybody else. There's some good ones and there's some just terrible ones. It's all right. I'm the doctor. By the time I got to New York, I knew, all right, I, I got to find somebody that's going to take care of me here. I think a lot of people, like in myself included, have limited experience um, in the doctor's office. I also just like to think the best of all these guys because they're professionals. So I just expect them to all do a good job. But I understand that they're humans now and they aren't always that concerned with your well-being. Well, they just have a process that works for them. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that they do. And they're making lots of money doing that, whatever that thing is. And so I think it's the same with the back shit. You should, you should shop around, find a person. I've, I've shopped. I've shopped on both coasts. <laughs> I've, I've shopped. I mean, uh, the acupuncturist in LA was amazing and it was family run. It was great. Um, but it was pretty intense. It was like, cause acupuncture sometimes can unlock emotions. No, for real. I've, I've I know. Like, it's like getting a massage. You feel like a crazy person. I looked it up because I felt pretty crazy after one like super intense sesh. And I looked it up and people were like, yeah, I, I cried uncontrollably for two hours after. It was just like something was unlocked and I just couldn't control it. You got to bottle up the, the sadness somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky that I didn't break down into full tears. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I dodged that bullet. But I have shopped around, but I guess if it gets worse, I'm going to have to go the JLS route and look into a serious medical professional. Shop around. That's all I can say. Dr. Shaw, besides being beautiful, he's a pro. I remember when I was first in New York and this was, I had the first kidney stone that got stuck and I knew I was going to have to have surgery. I remember trying to tell him, like, all right, man, I've done this a few times. Here's the stuff I want. I want it done like this. So you tried to tell him how to do his job. Just some notes. Just some notes to a doctor. Oh, how are you qualified? I'm not. I'm not. I've just had a lot of work done. Look, I've had a lot of experience with it in the ER, okay? I've even assisted in the surgery to correct. Hey, doctor, have you had this done to you? Oh, no? Oh, cool. Fair. Okay, all right. I've yeah, had this no, done no, to me many times now. Countless times. So here's some preferences. You can load these preferences up for me. Thanks. This is my presets. <laughs> you start to realize that these doctors have different styles. Like bedside manner, or you mean like the way they actually operate? I mean, both. Well, both. But I've told you about how, you know, I had the cowboy doctor down in Atlanta. He was wearing like full-on boots, right? Cowboy boots and scrubs. What'd you say, boy? Hell yeah, Committed. really? It's a hell of a thing, ain't it? Committed. That is, that is actually really dope, man. I've never heard of that. A hell of a thing. And that guy, I had told him, like, look, man, and I've, I've already gone through this. It was a horror. Whatever you can do, take care of me. Please, let's do all the things. I reckon we can make a deal for something. I remember waking up from the anesthesia. Mid-surge? Post-surge. Post-surge. Okay, all right, all right. You know. I, don't, I want to make sure you didn't fuck that up. No. <laughs> You know, you're waking up and he's saying, all right, hey, it went well. We got it. We were able to get it without putting a stent in. And the recovery should be a little better. And we uh, it filled your bladder full of, uh, full of morphine. You got to stay relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know much, but I'm, I'm almost positive that is an unconventional style from fucking Tex, MD. As if Matthew McConaughey was my doctor, and he's just like, all right, bud, we filled your bladder full of morphine, so uh, hey, when you gotta go pee, and they're filling you full of fluids, There's yeah. no, you're, it's gonna happen. And when you go to pee, it's gonna be kinda like the dentist, man. Uh, once you start going, just keep going, cause it's gonna go numb. It's gonna be like, you know, when you get some dental work, sure, sure, sure. and your face goes completely dead, and you're, you know, touching your own face. And I've seen Vine before. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen a loop. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, it's going to be like that, but, you know, for your gear. So just uh, let it fly, man. That sounds dope. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's unconventional, but also smart. Yeah. I mean, I would do that just on the weekends. I mean, are those guys just allowed to kind of roam free? Because that, that sounds like something that should be regulated, maybe. I don't think he asked permission. Yeah. I, don't, so. I mean, I'm not trying to tell anybody. I'm no narc. Well, I did give it away when I'm talking to Dr. Shaw, and I'm about to get the surgery again at, like, whatever, 22 or however however old I was. New York medical professional, I'm sure. Looked yeah, at Beth you, Israel, legit. Looked at you cross-eyed when you told him that. <laughs> We're about to go do this thing, and I'm like, hey, man, um, you know, I want the thing where you fill the bladder full of... <laughs> the thing. I want the method that I know is real, where you fill my bladder with morphine. If you could just do that. I read it in a journal. I want this thing, because I know it exists exists and it's great so hey let's do that and he's looking at me like a crazy person like yeah. what 
no, that's not... Uh, You're a wild boy. Yeah. What the hell kind of snot-nosed puppy doctor are you anyway? Like, I don't know what uh, what cowboy doctor did this to you, but that's not part of what we do. I try to insist for a while, and then he finally <laughs> stops me. He's like, look, I do this all the time. I'm very good at it. This is the way it's done. There's no bladder full of morphine. I was like, all right, doc. I mean, if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes, I guess. He's like, I'm good at this. We should be able to get this. The technology keeps improving. We should be able oh, to go, sure. go fetch it without you being, like, dying. And um, similarly, waking up, coming to from the anesthesia. Hello, James. How are you feeling? Exactly. It's like, okay, so we've gotten it. Things look good. We flushed the kidney. I asked around, and we put this uh, numbing agent in your bladder. It's supposed to help. It's not. Uh, it's not going to be like morphine, but um, should help. It's going to turn your pee like like neon pink, though. So just go with it. So anyway, to all the uh, the kidney stone people out there, all like five of you, ask for the morphine. Ask for that morphine. <laughs> see what happens. They got a bag of tricks that they themselves don't always know Actually, about. Doc, I listened to this podcast uh, called Public Announcement, and the guy that hosts that told me you can put morphine in the bladder, and then you're just good. So if you could, if you could just do that for me, I'd love that. would Be great. So all I'm saying is you got to shop around, man. I'm gonna. We gotta put that song in there. Shop around. You know what I'm saying? Like the '50s, like girl group song. Yeah, I mean, what music should we even do for this? That's the song for that, for sure. Shop around is fire. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it. I don't know who it is, but it's one of those groups. Shop around is fire. Shop around. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really fuck with. I'm a holistic guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I fuck with holistic treatments. I fuck with holistic treatments. But I, I've never been to a doctor before. I've never been to a proper doctor. But you never had like a rock doc back in the day? Cool doc? I've wit no, sadly. There, Pal doc? I heard tail little rock doc in Soho when I like five years ago from a, a friend of the show that will go unnamed. And he, he would hand it out readily, but I never... Um, generous just, with those scripts? Generous with the scripts. Well, explain to me, though, you know something about the surgery, or at least you've heard that the surgery doesn't work or whatever. What's, what's wrong with going with a full professional no, no, nothing, shit? No, nothing is wrong with it. I'm just a stubborn dumbass who hasn't been to the doctor in 12 years, and I'm doing pretty okay, so I feel like I'll be fine if I go another route. But I also have heard that the yeah the surgery, you know, it's like I, I, once you have one back surgery, you're going to have like five is, is my oh, understanding, um, and I'm not really trying to go that route. I don't even know how many times I've been uh, under the knife, under the knife when my belly button fell out. That was probably the last time I had surgery. Turn 30 and your belly button falls out. It's awful. That's fucking gross. Well, keep moving. <laughs> Excuse me, umbilical hernia. I think we're both advanced for our age, sadly. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that is thirty-year-old shit. Actually, I, I don't think that's what's happening at all. I think. I think we have problems, and we're sharing them publicly now. And people are going to be like, "What the fuck are these two bozos talking about?" I'm thirty-five, never had a goddamn problem in my life. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh. oh, yes, I am fine. <laughs> Wait, what's a good movie with doctors? Like what? Uh... ER? Yeah. Uh, we could pull something from ER. Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy, some classics. No, I would go with House. Oh, House is trash, man. Oh, come on. I hate House. Oh, why? Why, why, why? I just hate him. He's mm-hmm. annoying. I mean, he can do the accent. It's pretty wild that he's not American. Yeah, I'm always impressed That's by that. impressive. That's me. He's a good actor, something about him. That show just never did it for me. Mm. But ER. You're more Scrubs. No, fuck that. No. No one likes Scrubs. I guess they do. It's in syndication. You know, my mom is a nurse, and when ER came out, we would watch it all the time because she was stunned at how accurate it was. Like, she was so Mm. impressed. And this was like the 90s, you know, or whatever. So she was really impressed by how accurate it was. And I think that ER set the bar for accurate medical dramas during primetime. The West Wing of the medical world. It also, you know, George Clooney was on it. Early Clooney. When he was just a hot doc. Cher Ellis loved that early Clooney. Yeah. I mean, I think every woman does. Has Kevin Klein done any... uh... I don't, I'm not. Let me doc movies. That would be that would be my prep. Let me pull up his uh, IMDb page, and I'll, I'll let you know in 20 minutes. Leo De Janeiro, anything? I don't I can't think, think Leo. Of anything. Actually, no. He surprisingly never been a doctor. Catch me if you can. He was a fake doctor for a little while there. Oh, I you know I actually never saw that. Oh, um, that's a classic though. I've heard. Very strong. I'll, I'll add it to my list. Doc. 
doctors are the only people that wash their hands from the elbow down that thoroughly so many times a day. That's impressive to me. Because they know what's out there. Yeah, hell yeah. They're experts. That's what I'm saying. They wash their hands like real bosses. And I think we all could kind of learn from that. You can razz me all you want, Doc. I saved your life last night. I mean, I've always been more of the uh, George Carlin school of thought. Like, I... George Carlin would uh, swim in the Hudson River as a kid, just tempered in raw sewage. I think that was his uh, his oh, line. Okay. Well, you, I mean, you build up a tolerance that way. You got to get real strong. <laughs> you don't have a, fa- a favorite movie doctor? This is your lane, bro. Uh, you need like a... Oh, shit. <laughs> I got it. Do you? I know exactly what it is. Hit me, fam. Fuck, I, you know why I'm delaying here? It's because I can't figure out what year. I can't think of which year it came from. All right, I'm going to guess that this movie was 91 or 2. I'm going 91. 91, 1991's right. Doc Hollywood. Doctors know more about sex than normal people. Okay, yeah, starring Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I mean, that was Prime Fox. That was when he first was like adult Fox. Secret of My Success, that's when he's still a child, you know. What was the TV show? What was he on? Classic TV show. Fuck, I can't even Alex remember. Alex P. Keaton was his name. Can't even remember. I didn't watch that show. I, I was did. more of like a Growing Pains guy. Oh, okay, pussy. Yeah. No, I watch both of those shows. I think I think that Doc Hollywood is a classic that we can add to our um, public announcement filmography. Pope said you were, quote, one elaciously fine physician. I remember he's going to L.A., and he's going to be a plastic surgeon, and he's driving across the country, I think, and then he uh, takes a wrong turn and, like, hits a cow. Uh, (laughs) Hi, Jinx. The judge orders him to be a doctor in the shitty town as his community service. That is a classic fucking movie thing to happen. That's better than your community service. (laughs) Yeah, man. You ever smelled fucking rotten piss at 8 in the morning downtown Atlanta (laughs) in the middle of summer? What'd you have to do again? Pick up trash, man. What do you mean? Me what, and Ezra, but like, was, was it on the side of the road? What was the situation? No, it was, it was like there's these. Um, there were at the time they had these like Atlanta city ambassadors that dressed like they were kind of like fake cops. They had safari hats on. They would just kind of help tourists get around downtown. Yeah, yeah. So we shadowed them and just picked up trash. Did they have segways or anything cool? They probably do now. They didn't then. Yeah. This was this is I was eighteen. I mean, this is they a only had a safari hat at the time. Okay, they only had the hat. Yeah, and we would we would pick up trash, and they. But the best part about it was we learned all of these crazy air conditioned like hiding spots in downtown Atlanta because the, those dudes didn't do shit. They just wanted to chill. <laughs> and as soon as they realized that, as soon as they realized that we were cool, it was like, all right, pick up trash for an hour. We're gonna go sit in this fucking food court <laughs> for two hours and just chill. And that's what we did because we were cool. We showed up on time and shit people fucked with us so it was fine we were good it was all about the timesheet. yeah man it was all good that was actually I, I mean it was gnarly but I'm it's just another thing that I I did in my life that I've learned from God's working on all of us I think you just need to find your Doc Hollywood, man. I do need to find my Doc Hollywood. <laughs> like, like if you had a Michael J. Fox-esque character that was kind of fun to hang with and yeah. had some neat stories, you, yeah. would be, you could get interested in it. I love interesting stuff. Maybe a contemporary doctor that also can, like, lay some hands. Mm. Ooh, I got it. Contemporary doctor that also goes on CNN. The TV doctor Hell just yeah. to give a little commentary. TV that doc- guy. That's definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm into that for sure. If there's a back specialist TV doctor out there that pops up on Dr. Phil or CNN or Oprah, I would love to hang out with them. I think global listenership, someone will know. Someone will have the plug on that. I'd even take a local back specialist celebrity from a tertiary market if you know if that was a, if there was a local news guy in, you know, Omaha, but he was really good. I'd, I'd be down to visit. I think I got it. All right, so you gotta have your local guy. And then your L.A. guy. Well, in L.A., see, the beauty of all medical professionals in L.A. is that a certain majority of them will have a great story about a celebrity because they've all worked on celebrities. And you've told me something about that. Was it the acupuncture place or was it the other thing? No, the acupuncturist is a celebrity acupuncturist. They, they work on many stars from the acting and music communities. Is there a special waiting room or is it? No, I, somebody told me to go there and then I went there and they have all this autographed shit all over the walls. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> all right, well, you guys have, you guys, you know, and it's funny. Cause, like you're at an Italian restaurant. Yeah, and no, have, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but it's like nice stuff. It's like big. And there, I think what happens with places like that is they, you know, let's say 
the red hot chili peppers get home from tour and they're all fucked up and they all go there and then they tell all their you know they tell all their homeboys to go there and then it becomes the spot you know they have some back problems dude if you've been wearing a sock in your dick for 20 years you know it's gonna fuck you up I enjoy doing this, but when are we going to like get going here? What do you mean? Get going how? What we're going to do? We're going to Nashville? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we're going to go to um, Nashville, Tennessee, booming metropolis, and we're going to uh, set up shop at Jacob Jones Esquire LLC Incorporated, and we're going to fucking talk to some people, some locals. I mean, I'm fine if this is the show. I mean, this could be the show. I mean, we got the heat coming next week. Like humidity, or you mean like the fire programming? <laughs> the heaters. The slappers, the bangers. Actually, we just like going out of town. I think that's all it is. Well, I think it's important to grow the pod on the road, man. You know what I mean? Just let's go see America and just talk to people that are really living the American dream. That's definitely what's going on in Nashville. Hell yeah, boy. Country music capital of the world. It's like Hollywood country, though. No, I think they're trying to move away from that image and make themselves um, a more cosmopolitan destination. Hell yeah. You know, they got food popping, they got coffee popping. I know that's why Jake Jones moved there. Jacob Daniel Jones Esquire is, I mean, I would say Nashville's lucky that he chose them. Yeah, I believe that uh, the city of Nashville reached out to Jake and said, uh, look, we got to have you. But yeah, I'm ex- you know, we're going to go down there, and I've been to Nashville, uh, we both have, you know, quite a lot, actually, in the last couple years, so I think there's going to be some interesting people to talk to, and it's, yeah, it is always fun to take the uh, the pot on the road. Yeah, maybe we can find you, like, a uh, sit-stand mm-hmm. desk studio situation yeah, down there. A, yeah, I need a, yeah, I'm sure some of those old country songwriters have some standing desks, they can't sit either. Sit-stand with a treadmill underneath. You know I'm fucking with that. Sign me up, man. With, like, a headset, All a it. screen, multiple screens, like, you got the news, reality TV... Bloomberg. Yep. <laughs> Just for the ticker. Well, I mean, alternatively, we could do what we really ought to do. What the people really, truly want, which is, I think... The 10th episode, retrospective. It's been so long. And I, I, you know, I think that... There's just so much history in this room. There's so much history in this pod. The paywall is there and stuff, so people can't really go back and listen to all all nine episodes. Yeah. Um, So I think it's good for us to kind of give them the highlights of the the early days of the show. Memory lane, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think they want to do that with us. You know, I think they want to walk down that road with us. So I think if we just, if we get Jim Nicholas to cut together some just like greatest moments from the first nine shows, um, I think that would really keep the uh, fan base excited. Who wants to do the God's work of uh, listening to all nine episodes? That's going to be you, I assume, right? Hell no. That is not me. (laughs) That is not me. You're all about nowness. Yeah, man. Yeah, today, right now. Can I have to give Jim Nicholas and crew something to go on here? I don't know. I'm happy to just go through and kind of give some general reactions. Hmm, like, what are you thinking? Like, oh, man, that was so funny. Oh, wait. <laughs> woo! 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 Damn, man, we are hilarious. I never really looked at it that way. Wow. Wow, that was really insightful. Wow, 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 wow. That is so interesting. I hadn't really heard it that way before. I don't know about you, man, but I didn't realize how good we are at this. Hearing that playback brings me back. All right, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Uh, we should do the. Yeah. All right. Uh. Turn up. Retrospective. Woo! Greatest moments from the first nine shows. The tenth episode. Retrospective. Episode one. Chris and James head south to their hometown to investigate a life-changing prank. Listen as Morgan Chancey breaks down the warring factions of a late 90s heritage high school. 
and the funny thing is, fellas, the the story actually it ends with the deer, but it begins with a six foot three fiberglass Ronald McDonald. Well, there was like, you know, a branch of the straight edge mafia, and then there was the <laughs> let's break that down. there was the fishing, yeah, there was the fishing coalition. Coalition. Yeah. You were the president of that. Uh, no, 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 no. No, that's Actually, not you? I was a member of the Fat Ass Mafia. The okay. FAM. <laughs> What's good, FAM? Yeah. <laughs> so it was the football players and whatnot, but it was like to be the antithesis of sort of the straight edge mafia. And then there was all the other guys who were into beer drinking and pot smoking or whatever you do as, as a young man. So, Fat ass mafia. Yeah, ROTC. The- <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were right in there with them. And uh, so then, you know, we were violated. We come up to the Ronald McDonald, and there was tags and marker and meat is murder stickers on it, and all this. All Who this. could have done that? I don't know, Chris. <laughs> I don't know, Chris. I, I had no idea who. What an asshole, man. <laughs> I would. I mean, that's unbelievable. Guys, I got him, man. These guys were fueled by the desire to destroy your reputation. <laughs> they wanted these guys. I had them going so good. They were like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, yeah, you guys do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was so funny. This had been an actual emergency. The attention signal you just heard. Retrospective. Episode 2. Cartel's drummer, Kevin Saunders, tells our hosts about the shoddy construction of the bubble-shaped housing structure that he lived in for a month while shooting an MTV reality show. Yeah, so something like that, and then we'll cut straight to honestly. All right. Right, Now now that I'm thinking, let's put the second track on, the one from the self-titled album. From the Bubble record. Yes, that's the one from the Bubble. That's that's the tune I like. That's the the super riff. Um, Yeah, so maybe tonight, sing it for the first time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Sounds just like that. If I had been head of A&R... That would have been the single. Oh, I'm sure it would have, man. I know you love imagining yourself as some fucking A&R nerd. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like a nerdy Mr. Big from Wayne's World. All right, man. Do you. All right. <laughs> uh, but I, I just remember the name of the song is Tonight, so let's just put that on. All right. I'm Kevin Sanders. I have played drums in Cartel since the beginning. That was 12 years ago. With 23 webcams all streaming live 24-7, there's nowhere to hide. If you wanted to watch us sleep, you could. And yeah, then the rest was four episodes on MTV. On the graveyard time slot of Saturday nights at 8 p.m. <laughs> Which yeah. was something yeah. that I don't think any of us realized at the yeah, time. Basically like, a, Jan- a January movie release. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect comparison. It really is. Yeah. We saw some footage of this, you know, and there's like an airplane hangar where this thing's being welded together and made and built and designed and like people are like wearing hard hats and slings and <laughs> roped into things and like belaying down on this thing and building it and then disassembling it and then shipping it to New York City. Like, what the fuck? That's not at all what any of us cared about. The bubble took six months to build and over 2,000 man hours. Made from 25 tons of steel and a thick fiberglass coating, this bad boy can withstand 150 mile an hour winds, a snowstorm, even an earthquake. But hopefully not all at once. They're like, oh, this thing can withstand hurricane winds. We're like, no, it can't. Yeah, like, fuck you, dude. It's sitting a, on some a, fucking this wood. This is a fucking erector set. I can see the ground right there through this thing. Like, <laughs> Too much free time on your hands. Yeah. Woo! 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 Episode 3 Vice Editor-in-Chief Ellis Jones tells James and Chris about her disinterest in podcasts Oh, I shit my pants and fails to recall the name of podfather Mark Maron never listened to a single podcast You've never listened to a podcast? I know, never, no, never um, I downloaded Serial and I never listened to it You just wanted to keep up with what everyone was talking about? <laughs> yeah you never let you've never listened to you don't even like when you hear people talking about it do you fake like you know what you're talking about you're talking no, about no i know about serial uh that's it comedian Marin, what's his name mark Marin. mark Marin. 
that's fake. Come on, you knew his name. <laughs> his first name. What's what's his name? It's the guy that runs the Catholic Church. Yeah, I think his last first name is Pope. I can't remember what his last name is. I get nervous by talking to some situation like this. I forget He's, people's names. You don't have to come off the dome with just fire. It's okay. <laughs> okay. But I love it. I think it's really funny you've never, because I was that guy for a long time, and I felt like I was late. What do you listen to when you exercise? Rap music. Yeah. Why would you listen to podcasts? A lot of pe- I do. A lot of people do. How does that motivate you? It's more distracting than motivating. Like no. you focus, you're so focused on something else. Like I can't, I can't listen to a podcast while I'm like working or something because I'm if I'm having to think about words, I can't listen to other words. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to listen to music that I've already listened to, that I already know and like. You know that he only watches movies he's seen before. <laughs> how does it? That- <laughs> That isn't, how is that possible? Because how do you not? It stopped at a certain point, and now he only goes backwards. He doesn't go it's forward. Just, it's just recursive at this point, you know. What was the last new movie that you saw? Uh, probably 1993's Dave, <laughs> um, starring Kevin Klein. I once caught a fish this big. You've seen some stuff in theaters and no, shit. No, I've, I've seen plenty of movies. I just, I think when we're looking at a list of movies and Aaron's like, what do you want to watch? You know, if I'm being honest, it's 1993's Dave. Thank you for doing this, Ellen. There's something comforting about it. I think with television, I want to watch Cheers. Mm-hmm. I want it to be over in 20 minutes. And like, mm-hmm. like it took me years to watch Breaking Bad. I've never watched it. Uh, me neither. Me neither. You I, know I me. avoided it intentionally for years. It gets too popular. And then I feel like I've already seen it and have an opinion on it because I've read about it so much or seen it so often. Mm-hmm. What do you, so what do you listen to at work? I don't listen to music at work either. Just silence? Do you have like white noise on and headphones or no, anything? No, no. I feel like because I talk to my team so much and they're always like they're on either side of me and in front of me. That whenever I put music on, I feel like the minute I do that, someone's always like, oh, hey. And then I only do it if I'm like doing something mindless, like an expense report. Inflating expense reports is not mindless. Okay. (laughs) That takes, that takes math. That's like a spreadsheet. But how many people are there that that are right there? My team is like seven people or something. So So it's seven people and then freelancers? And then some part-time people, like a part-time art editor and a part-time fiction editor. Well, I wanted to talk about the, um, the redesign of the magazine. Yeah, the magazine and what the job is like because it's it's still pretty new, right? Yeah, like a year, a little over a year. Does it feel a lot longer than that? Yeah, but I think just because I've been the company for so long. Yeah, how long have you been there? I guess since 2008, but then I left for like nine months. Not, I just want to not to have a baby. I just want. <laughs> I realized that I kept telling people that because I like that was the amount of time I had left to go to a different job, and then finally someone's like, "Oh, did you have a kid?" And I was like, "What." No. And I was like, oh, fuck. Everyone I've been telling. If you hear nine months, I think that's what a lot of people assume. Plus, you kept saying that you're on leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I. Damn, man, we are hilarious. You rock. Episode four. Our hosts are joined by James's mum, Cher Ellis. And she shares her honest opinion on Wizards and actor Kevin Klein. <laughs> Uh, good morning, Cherylis. I'm calling with... Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? She just hung up on me. <laughs> I told you I should have texted first. Man. Oh, man, call, call her again. Call again. She's not going to pick up this time. Call her again. It'll be funny. All right. All right. Uh, hold on. All right. Hey, hey, this is Chris Black. Do not hang up the phone. What is this number you're calling me from? It's Skype. I'm, I'm with your son, and um, we're calling you with a question. Hey, Mom. <laughs> oh, I thought you were a computer selling me something. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think I really sounded like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't really paying attention. You got to give me a heads up next time. <laughs> I told Chris we should have texted you first. Yeah, but, I mean, then we wouldn't have had this wonderful exchange. What fun is that? <laughs> That's true. Um, Ma, is, is now an okay time to ask you a question am i on the podcast now (laughs) like no i mean yeah you are but people can't hear it yet um we're just recording you though is that okay it'll come out later like tomorrow what is this about am i going to be mad after this is over (laughs) no no uh this will be funny funny is okay all right all right all right all right share so my question for you is if i say goblet of fire can you tell me what movie that's in reference to? What'd you say? Goblet of Fire? Is this, hey, is this something like, you know, some paraphernalia for smoking weed? Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, no. I mean, I see why you would think that when it's coming from me, but it's, it's just a basic movie reference. You know, I know you're a sort of movie buff, so I'm just curious if you know which movie that I'm talking about. Mm, no, oh, but is it a classic? No, no, Mom. Um, Wizards 
are involved, I'm afraid. Oh, gag. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> Jay, you know how I feel about wizards in movies. I, I know, I know. Uh, I do think of myself as a sort of movie buff. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to watch something with magic spells and that Lord of the Rings crap. <laughs> I, I love you, Cher. So, so Ma, you, you really don't know the movie. Is it in Lord of the Rings? No, no. Uh, close, though. It's, it's another series. But that's all those movies. Ugh. They're all Lord of the Rings to me. <laughs> just, to, just to reiterate, I love you. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're all set. You know, thank you very much for your time. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, before we go, I mean, didn't you want to ask uh, also about your new theory? Yeah, open your ears, man. I just did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Um, all right, I, but I know what I want to ask. All right, Ma, before we go, why is it that you don't watch movies like Lord of the Rings? Uh, well, I, I get a Netflix movie delivered to the house twice a week. Yeah, sure. I guess I, the only way I could sit through a fantasy movie is if there was money involved. <laughs> sure, sure. Is that the question? Under what circumstances would I watch something with dragons? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So now it's obvious that uh, you have indeed answered Chris's question. The two of you seem to be 100% on the same page here. <laughs> I did love 1993's Dave, by the way. Oh, yeah. Excellent. And that's a great movie. Now, I don't watch only the classics. But that is a classic, Mom. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't just watch Oscar winners, but Kevin Klein is great. Oh, yeah. Made me chuckle hearing that clip in your other podcast. But you know that Kevin Klein is an Oscar winner. Is he? You guys are killing me. What a yeah, he's a, such a talent. I mean, what a, a st- what a star. Yeah, but he won best supporting. It was um it was for um a fish called Wanda. Mm. Yeah, I sort of remember that one. But I much prefer 1993's Dave. Why do you guys have to call it 1993's Dave? Are you intentionally trying to sound ridiculous by stating the year or are you intentionally trying to annoy me personally? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Jay says it. He's been calling it that ever since 1993. <laughs> yeah, right, to answer your question, yes, I'm, I'm doing it intentionally for comic effect. I want to make you laugh. Oh, great. Thank you for telling me that because you two sound like crazy people. As long as you're aware it's a family issue, that's fine with me. Kevin <laughs> Klein really is a great actor, you know. Oh, an artiste. Chris. I'm serious. He, he's great. And I know, you know, he has the Shakespeare chops and the whole thing. Well, I loved him as Dr. Rod Randall in 1991's Soap Dish, co-starring Sally Field. I realize I'm not a young woman. Yeah. However, what could you, you please point out that I don't feel quite right in a turban? Okay. What I feel like is Gloria fucking Swanson! I'm familiar with the movie and the year it came out. Thank you for stating that it was 1991. <laughs> well, that is when it came out. <laughs> Yeah, just got off the choo-choo. You have lovely eyes. Uh, they're nothing compared to my... All right, guys. All right, that's enough. I, that's, that's, it, that's it. I actually happen to know what comes next. And I'm not letting you hijack this podcast and make our listeners descend into this filth with the both of you. You have beautiful eyes. Ooh, they're nothing compared to my tits. <laughs> Go back to the shadow. I have never liked wizard hats. Why do they dress that way? Thank you for getting this back on track. <laughs> I, I have no idea why they wear those hats or the ill-fitting clothing. Yeah, just go to a tailor. Get that taken in a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for taking the call. This has been very eye-opening. Now, is that it? That's what you wanted to know? Yes, it, precisely what I wanted to know. <laughs> I never really looked at it that way. Wow. Wow, that was really insightful. Retrospective. Episode 5. We begin with writer John Ortvid explaining his undying love for Game of Thrones. Hi there. Can you hear everything okay? I can hear great. Last week on the show, we, we kind of, or well, I definitely denounced all things like Game of Thrones, uh, mm-hmm. dragons, Harry Potter, all of that. That just doesn't interest me at all. Mm-hmm. I personally wanted to ask you, 
why do so many like smart New Yorkers like that show? What do you think appeals to them so much about the show? I mean, HBO has a long history of creating complicated, interesting shows that show a lot of boobs. And (laughs) I think Game of Thrones fits well into that. You know, it's a culmination of of a certain kind of a fantasy timeline. One of the reasons that the Narnia movies have been considerable failures compared to other fantasy stories before them is because you can't have a movie with CGI like that, an action like that, after you've had Lord of the Rings. Because Lord of the Rings came before and was so much better. Yeah. What we needed in the realm of fantasy was something that felt both real, where, where the, the magic part felt real. I think they really succeeded everything between the staging and the setting and the costumes and then the great writing on Game of Thrones really achieved that. It was, for a lot of us, it was the fantasy we'd been waiting for. Would you call yourself like a fantasy head in general? Or no. does this show, this show particularly appeals to you? I like fantasy films, but I, I don't care much for science fiction. And I like more the medieval fantasy stuff, but I never played Dungeons and Dragons. I've never read Lord of the Rings. I'm not a fantasy head, but this show, for those of us who like Shakespeare and particularly the play Macbeth, this play speaks to a lot of those themes and a lot of those ideas. And also there's nudity and absurd violence, which all TV and all film to some extent is made for 14-year-old boys. And this hits that right, that nail right on the head. Wow, that was really insightful. In the next clip, James and Chris speak with a true film and radio professional, Millie DeCherico, about purchasing her first ministry T-shirt. But first, a classic interstitial from Chris Black. Hello, it's Chris Black. You love me. Just wait on it. Just wait on it. Lots of traffic on 85 North. We're going to be right back with a song from Bush. Off their album Razorblade Suitcase. Everything that I was sort of learning about was The Smiths, The Cure, R.E.M., you know, those like kind of like 80s new wave bands. Well, there's a lot more to it than music. There's the look and the attitude. That's as important when you're 15. Willfully different. What? Yes, you're, you're making that decision. I bought a ministry shirt when I was... In middle school? That first ministry record's pretty uh, tight. What? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it was the kind of thing where I was like, okay, like I like ministry, but really I just want the ministry shirt so that everyone knows that I'm into weird shit. Absolutely. It's, a, it's yeah. a signifier. It's a exactly. billboard. Like, I'm into this. This is... It was yeah. It was more about just signifying yourself. It wasn't about like you know I want I want this because I'm a huge fan. It was just like anything weird. I remember wearing it to school a bunch, and then like my preppy sports friends that I used to play like softball and tennis with were like, "What? What's that? What's that shirt mean?" And I'm like, "You don't get it. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's cool." What? Yeah, I was probably in seventh grade. At some point, yeah, there was a separation between me and my old friends, and I felt it. Like, there was my one of my best friends, this girl Dawn. I think it was like, it was almost like we had to talk about it. She was just like, you're just like turning into a weirdo. And- well, if your name is Dawn, <laughs> I can tell you you don't like ministry. Yeah. I get no, no question there. That is so interesting. of the early days early days of the show walk down that road with us episode six the guys take a hard and high look at drake's album views chris gives the album a middling letter grade while james has a hard time identifying with some of the lyrical content they're joined on skype by dj so super sam who explains how drake excels as a modern artist you just want everyone to know how little I know about Drake. Yeah, of course. That's the whole point. It's one of the, I mean, it's, it is one of your more endearing qualities. And that's okay. truly how I feel about it. Real thing, eh? 
This shit is hard. Tough one? This is a banger. Yeah. All right. Before he even hits, like, is this something that, like, some gnarly dudes are into? No. Yeah. It's just a banger. I pull up in Lexus like it's 07. I just hit a lick. I gotta hit the next one. Hard. Last year, I know you learned your lesson. I could GPS you if you need a dressing. Bang. Boss up, I'm the bigger homie, but I'm one year older than my little okay, Who's, like, most hardcore hip-hop person that would still like this? Everybody likes Drake. It's, like, what people agree on. Every Everybody likes this. Bang. This is a classic Drake, like, boastful. You cannot be here right next to me. Don't you see Riri right next to me? I hate a goofy especially. Woo! They always dying to mention me. Jay is familiar with Drake in a far away sense. We just listened to it together and then got both of our reactions. So, you know, he was asking some pretty funny questions and giving some observations that were really enlightening considering that I'm so familiar with the material. Um, right, right, okay. You know, we have our opinions, but I, I think we wanted to get you involved just because, well, first, you're like an R&B head. Right. This is an R&B leaning album, I would say. Yeah, it is. And I think it's important to get a female perspective because I think that's who Drake, you know, really tries to speak to. Yeah. So did he reach his target audience, a.k.a. me? I, I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I've gone on record now as it's like a C plus B, you know, as my mm -hmm. kind of take. And there's no real slappers that I was looking for, mm -hmm. but it's still pretty listenable. And I think yeah. now that everybody's had time to digest it a little more, I think the opinions are going to change a little bit. So what have you, I've, since you've been traveling, I'm sure you've listened to it just over and over and over and over. Right. They're, I haven't listened to anything else. <laughs> just <laughs> Uh Well, I want to know what Jay's opinion of the album is as an outside. Sure. What'd you think? I was struck that the first track sounded like what would normally be the last track on a record. It, yeah. it, just, it just has that epic kind of feel. It felt like the record was a slow build. Yep. It starts out so down. A lot of it was quite depressing. The cloudy, you know, sensitivity of Drake. And then as the record progresses, it starts to get bigger and bigger. And then it feels like Views, the title track, is what I think would maybe normally be the album opener. Right. Very big, very triumphant, superpower. And then I think, uh, what's it, uh, Hotline Bling is sort of tacked on at the end. If yeah. And so it doesn't really feel like the last track to me. It feels more like Hotline Bling was just a single, and then it made a lot of business sense, and it made sense to put that on the record, but it just right. kind of felt like an appendix, if you will. Yeah, it didn't fit within the overall landscape of the album. Do you think they should have left it off? No. If you were Drake, you would put it on too. Everyone would. <laughs> My understanding is it's a business move from the sense that like the way it's ranked and billed, like sales-wise, it helps because that's already such a huge single. I guess what I don't understand is I don't think anyone's going to buy the album needing to hear that song. Do no, you know what but I mean? he gets all of the streams. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. From before the album came out, count towards his album, Platinum, whatever. Oh, I see. So all the, all the Hotline Bling single streams are included now in the grand total of the album. Yes. I think that's what Forbes said because there was a lot of why did he tack that on, et cetera. And that was the main answer. I think for every 10 streams is equivalent to one CD sale. Yeah. Yeah. Sale. That's the, yeah. There's like a formula. So he'll hit his platinum record status almost, you know, immediately. According to him, it's already platinum. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like that. And that was the whole, I think that was the strategy there. That's a good strategy. That. Now, isn't he actually commenting on that few tracks before where he's, there's a line that's repeated about he's trying to get a Grammy or oh, something like yeah, that. yeah, which is what I think is the most memorable line is actually Future's line about they gonna think I want a Grammy. They gonna think I want a Grammy. They, they gonna think, think I want a Grammy. Grammy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Now I'm gonna replace that song on the album with your version. Yeah. They gonna think I want a Grammy. It's all part of this high level of self-awareness the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, this person is very dialed into what he's doing. Yeah. Almost like always trying to get ahead of it. Like it reminds me of Eight Mile where Eminem oh. is in the rap battle. Uh-huh. Say it, white guy. Say it, white guy. Exactly. <laughs> and he's got a head off the uh right. the opposing rap battler. Right. Yeah, I think that's Drake's entire brand is self-aware, posturing, and beating everyone to the punchline, kind of knowing which lines are going to turn into memes. Yeah. You know, writing that into the album. Everything is very calculated. Yes. I think he's so brilliant in that way because it is, it's so modern. Um, and I think that 
it sort of takes the edge off of him being so serious or sensitive is that he's self-deprecating in that way. Where he sort of erred is that I think he built up a lot of people's expectations of that he's going to put out straight heaters all of the time. By the way, just for my own entertainment, what's the current uh, lexicon for bangers, heaters, <laughs> slappers? I think I've heard three now. Slapper. Are these all, are these all synonymous? Is yes, this- they are synonymous. Right, Sam? They are. <laughs> What what are the other ones I need to know? That's re- I can't think of any more. Sam, is there any bangers, heaters, <laughs> turn up, flappers, hot fire, hot fire, hot fire? Yeah, I've never heard that. Fire flames, hot fire, fire flames. Fire flames is also yeah. yeah. But that's not uh, who's the uh, Waka? No, not Waka Flocka Flame. No, no, no. But there's a guy, and that's his entire brand name, Waka Flocka Flame. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an artist name. The artist is being very generous, Sam. That's nice. Of you. <laughs> I hadn't really heard it that way before. Wow. I don't know about you, man, but I didn't realize how good we are at this. Episode 7. In one long breath, grailed brand director and Twitter power user Lawrence Schlossman admits to wearing soap shoes and growing up in New Jersey. But he is able to expertly explain the of-the-moment Parisian design collective, Vetements. Let me hit you with another one. If I said streetwear... What does that mean to you? Supreme. Wow. Flex. (laughs) Well, how long have you lived in New York? 14 years. Okay. So tell me, tell me about Supreme. I would say hats. (laughs) Nailed it. That's actually, that's it. That's, you can stop there. Lines of people. You could talk about Supreme for five minutes with someone. We need to get you to your Supreme level with everything else. Cause you're, I feel like you're almost there. How does Supreme compare to say Obey? To me, in my mind, they're not so far apart. Wow. Well, the reason Supreme is in a lot of people's eyes, and they wouldn't be wrong by it saying it's the best fashion brand in the world, is because they have never once sold out, which Obey, from what I understand, the whole shit is a sellout, right? Yeah, that was From Shepard Ferry. Like, that's what I'm going to tell people when I sell out. Oh, that was the whole point. That was the whole game. That was the whole thing. That's not his business. Supreme is longevity and Obey is is, the op, is not. It's that's something yeah. that is not. But. Supreme is a five-star meal. Obey is a fast food. I don't even know because I, I like fast food, dude. But it's more know. ephemeral. It comes and goes. No, I don't think it's ever coming. It's done. It's gone. No, it's Marshall's. It's like TJ it's, Maxx. It's like such a watered-down middle America entry pack sun point into streetwear. It's monster energy if you drink. Could even really, if you even want to sully the great name of streetwear, then there's a lot of brands that since then have gone that same route. Something that, you know, I get it. People want to make money you got to fucking play to the lowest common denominator, so I'm not mad at that. But, yeah, yeah Obey is Obey and Supreme, in my mind, like, I understand how you could relate them, but uh, as someone who, I guess, thinks about this stuff a lot, like, I would never, I'd never think about Obey. This is the first time I've thought about it in my life. You've worn Obey before. No, I never. Never did. Uh, Swear to God. I'll admit to no fear. Soap shoes? I'll admit to You wore track. soap shoes? Yeah, dude. Soaps were huge, dude. Wow. Yeah, dude. And I'm also from New Jersey. <laughs> so far, you haven't stumped me. What, what else you got? Vetement. 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 Do we like vetement? It seems like it's... This thing. Should we get into this whole thing? We can get into it. This is the hottest shit going on. This is so boring, dude. Yeah, but explain it as you would to a child. It is a design collective. All right. I know about that. I've been a part of a design collective. See, this is embarrassing because I don't even know they're based in Paris. I don't know what their nationality is. Isn't it that it's it's the dude and then there's those other people that know what it is? It's him and his brother. I can't even... Give me the mythology. I love that you don't even know. And this is why this brand is the hottest fashion brands in the world not that they're making the most money but from a hype perspective oh, it's, un- it's and unreal significant, it, it, i haven't seen anything like it in and it came out of nowhere literally nowhere like if you see somebody wearing a sweatshirt with sleeves that are longer than their hand mm-hmm. they did that it's this brand that is organically just generating amounts of hype that i don't think anyone has seen in this industry since I don't even know, Raph Simmons probably when he fucking came out. Because there's been hot designers like Craig Green and all these guys. England was a huge hub because all these guys are going to Central St. Martins and they're fucking killing it and they're coming out and they're really young and they're getting investment and they're doing really well. But what these guys are doing is on another fucking level. Like just... Why is that? I have no idea why. Well, they're tapping into all these kind of signifiers that are really big in fashion right now. One of which is streetwear and like grunge and like teenage angst and all this stuff that normally feels very manufactured Manufactured, yet for these dudes, for whatever reason, they somehow are able to do it, and it's authentic. And you feel it. Like, you're into it. I don't know, man. I'm not buying it because this shit is expensive. 
But aesthetically, you're like, I feel like if you saw it, you would think it was fucking ridiculous. Imagine having a sleeve that purposely goes past. It's <laughs> like a sock. It's hand. like a sock on your hand. That's like, that's the point. And I mean, are you supposed to look totally crackpot if you're wearing this out in the world? No, I think the ideal version is that like you wear it and you're cool. Because you're fucking edgy or... But the problem I have with it, or not the problem I have with There's it... There's a lot of problems with it, I, I think. I have but. a lot of problems, is that it looks... It's just so obvious what you're wearing in the way that, like, it's the way you're wearing a logo. It's the same thing, but it's... That's why people love it. It's $1,500, it's, and you, okay. you're a but billboard. fashion loves that, right? The fashion... Yeah. People love being fashion victims in billboards because it shows wealth and influence yeah. and all of this stuff. So th they do, like, a lot of really interesting cut-and-sew pieces, like mismatched jeans and, like, all this stuff. But the only thing that I see people buying and the only thing that apparently stores are stocking are hoodies and T-shirts that are utilizing logos, many of which are flips or references to, like, other prominent things. Like, did have you seen anyone wearing on the street a gigantic hoodie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet and a sinking Titanic ship? I have not. That might be your first high fashion purchase. So how much is it? Can we get that on Grail.com? Yeah, that, you could get that on Grail.com. Uh, plug. We might need to cop that for you. Public announcement brought to you by Trunk Club at Grail.com. He's, he's hugely into Titanic, the movie. Oh, this is one of the movies that you watch over and over again. because That 1993's Dave. Fucking uh, way Dave. Up there. <laughs> Have you seen Dave? No. Good oh, for you. Oh, come on. You need to log on, man. <laughs> Kevin Klein? Yeah, you need to log on. I've seen other of Klein's work. Yes. But not... What we call in Austria... 1993's Dave. Yes. Unfortunately. Hearing that playback brings me back. Episode 8. A quick shopping expedition to get James a new hat turns into a fun New York afternoon. Chris shares how his love for headwear caused some to think he was bald. I have friends in the hat business. I have personally a lot of hats that are in the, on the, in the archives. Where do you want to procure your headwear? Well, I was looking online and... No, I no, 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 no. I don't think that I can leave you to your own devices on the internet. You got to try this shit on. You got to look in the mirror. You got to feel it out and make sure you look fresh. You can't do that on the internet. In kindergarten, I was voted largest head in the class. There's no way your head is bigger than mine. In kindergarten, I had the crown. Well, so. congratulations. We'll get you a new crown. Just meet me in the morning in the corner of like Broadway and spring. Now, do I need a lot of money? Do I need to... Thousand dollars cash on Mark Bills, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thousand dollars for one hat. Like, well, I don't even know what's going on with you, the hat game. For you, you wouldn't want a fitted hat because you would look like a bozo. That's not really your look. It's got two of a crown, like what they wear on field. A proper okay. Major League Baseball officially licensed new era 5950 fitted hat is not for you. I mean, I'm thinking strictly baseball cap because I can't really imagine you in like a fedora. I wouldn't let you do that. I mean, you make questionable choices, but this is on my watch now, so I have to be conscious of what we're doing. But you know, I have a, I have an entire box in storage of hats, like fifty plus hats. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. I used to wear hats so much that multiple people thought I was bald. Oh. And I was like, "Fuck this, yeah. man." That didn't happen. Nah, yet. fam, I look good. I'm out <laughs> here. Take that. Throw them up. Burn them all. Woo! 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 New rock. Episode nine. Our hosts gather millennials to get some answers from the most talked about generation in decades. One of their guests, Armadeep, shares his love for the riveting hobby of rock collecting. Another guest, Carson, thinks Interpol is beachy music. Do you collect anything? I would say that I collect clothing. Records, books, and matchbooks. I kind of collect rocks, which sounds Wild nerdy, but like just places that I travel. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. Not like a not not a genuine rock collector, but if I'm traveling somewhere that's like kind of wild, or if I'm like in a pretty naturally beautiful location, like I was in some river in Slovenia, it's like all right, let me find a cool rock so I can put this somewhere and think of like okay, cool, this is a cool little rock from a place that I've been, and that and like I have two of these, so I don't know if it's collecting, but little jars of water from the same kinds of location. So I was in this weird national park in Japan, and then also that river in Slovenia. Both of which I was like, all right, I should like just bottle this up, see if I can bring it back. So now we're going to move into the really fun pop quiz portion okay. of the Summer 16 Millennial Survey. Cool. Um, this part is scored. Uh, there are right answers. If you choose wisely, you will hear. But if you choose poorly. 
meaning that you got that shit wrong. But I get a trophy either way, right? Absolutely. This is, yeah, you're a Melinda. You get a participation trophy. You know how this works. Cool? Cool. 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 All right, let's get into this. This is like beachy. Beach? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my bikini. My guy has a six pack. What's up? Chilling. See, I just think of this as like New York weirdo. This is like. And definitely dar- like with rollerblades on. This like, is like on a boardwalk. This is like dark bar cocaine Heck music. No. That is what that is, though. That no. is like what it was. Cocaine, but on a beach. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'm like moving. Like, so you I, like that? I don't one. not like these. Sure, you just don't know them. Yeah, All right, that no. was that was Interpol. Ever heard I've of heard them? of that. Okay, interesting. Of them, and I don't know when to say like him or them. Sure, or, like, sure. Well, no, that's not their name. Doesn't give away anything. Yeah. It's Doug Interpol, <laughs> Mr. Paul. <laughs> the essence of rock and roll. You rock. Retrospect. All I can tell you is that it's a wonderful day. You're listening to Public Announcement. I'm James Ellis. I'm Chris Black. This week, we'd like to thank Diamond City Studios, the uh, the finest studio in Tribeca. I would like to especially thank them this week because your boy is talking into a $10,000 vintage microphone. Do you know what kind of microphone that is? Changes fill my time. Hell no, man. I don't need to know. I know it looks good. It sounds good. It looks really cool. In the midst, I think of you. Gold-plated. It's floating, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, this stand alone probably costs $1,000. I don't even know. At least. And that's what I fucking deserve. Uh, This week, I'd like to thank Paul Phelan for editing and mixing. And as always, thanks to the God, Jim Nicholas, for his uh, touch. Yeah, and we'll keep you posted from uh, from the road, from America, from out there with the people. Fellas, do you need anything else from me?